Sarah. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship this morning. And by no means are we stopping worship. We're continuing through reading and learning from God's Word. Uh, So if you'll join me in the book of Daniel this morning, if you have your Bibles. If not, it'll be up on the screen as we read in just a moment. But uh, this morning, this message will be a little more pointed at the graduates, those who are graduating and going on to this next phase of their lives. But as you very well know with Scripture, that it affects all of us. It meets us exactly where we are and sometimes, uh, not a lot of times, tells us we need to move in the right direction and maybe get over some humps that are made of self and move more towards God. (laughs) Uh, So I pray that wherever you are this morning, that when we hear from God's Word, that that's what you hear. I'm not preaching this morning. God's Word is preaching this morning. Um, So you'll hear probably some references to high school or graduation or college or plans after high school kind of talk. So if that doesn't fit you, just stay tuned in. I promise you we'll we'll get back to some points from Scripture. Um, So as a beginning, as a way of opening for this message, I want to remind our graduates just how far they've come so far in their lives. So they've spent about 2,160 days in school. Does it feel like it? You're like, no, it feels more like 20,000, Jonathan. (laughs) You spent about 13,000 hours in classes, which is about 777,000 minutes. You've lived on this earth approximately 18 years, give or take. You've been around for 216 months. You've been breathing air for 936 weeks. You've been going through the motions for 6,552 days. You've been here almost 158,000 hours. You've been taking up space for nine and a half million minutes. You've slept about 52,000 hours, watched TV for about 12,000 hours. You've spent 7,500 hours eating. And if you've spent any time in the youth ministry here, mostly pizza. If you live the average lifespan, you'll sleep about 24 years of your life. You'll work for 14 years, play for eight years. You'll eat for six years, drive for five years, and talk for four years. Although it feels like a lot longer, you'll only go to school total for three years of your life. You're like, yeah, it feels like my entire life up to this point. You'll study and read for three years. You'll actually be sick for about three years of your life. You were all born in the early 2000s. You were wrinkled and bald and red and toothless. You couldn't hardly see. You were crying and complaining and you had no clothes on. (laughs) But as you take the next step in your life, as you transition out of high school Maybe away from this city, maybe away from your family, maybe not, maybe so. I want to offer some advice from a great man of the faith in the person of Daniel. As we look at the title this morning of the the sermon, Do Not Compromise. There's going to be some quotes that flash up on the screen. I'm going to read through them. And I just want you to kind of pay attention because these are probably quotes you've heard before, maybe even so much that you've kind of forgotten some of their meaning or at least kind of the impact they should have on you. So you've probably heard it said that you should stand up for what's right, even if you're standing alone. I remember reading that on many elementary school walls, posters. And typically that was preceded with, 
integrity is standing up for what's right, even if you're standing alone. Uh, wrong is wrong, even if everyone is doing it. And right is right, even if only you are doing it. The truth is that you know the right thing to do. The hard part is doing it. And lastly, do what is right, not what is easy. These are some good quotes to have in the forefront of your mind now and as you transition forward. Um, So let's take a lesson from Daniel today on how not to compromise our faith. So let's jump into Scripture this morning in Daniel chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 through 7 to begin with. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, Youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, incompetent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. So as you notice at the very beginning of this passage, there's some major conflict going on. The the people of Judah, the the kingdom of Judah at this time, is being besieged by the, the nation of Babylon, by King Nebuchadnezzar. And if you look back throughout the history of the Israelites, you know that war is not an uncommon thing for them, that they often found themselves in conflicts of one kind or another. Uh, But oftentimes we see that their conflicts were a result of the way they were obedient or disobedient towards God. If you look back in Deuteronomy 28, you can see that God had established this covenant with the nation of Israel at that time. Now we're just talking about the southern kingdom of Judah. But with the nation of Israel... And it said something like this, very short and brief. If you obey me, being God, I will bless you. If you disobey me, there will be discipline. And that's very clear. God never changes his mind on that. And it's still true, even for us today. So we can see that the the nation of Judah at this time was disobedient to God in the area of the Sabbath. They were not keeping the Sabbath laws that the, the way God had ordained them and, and given to them. They weren't following the law, essentially. And so God told them there will be discipline. Here's the discipline. We see that he allows Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar to come in and take over the kingdom of Judah, siege the city of Jerusalem, and take back a lot of those people to Babylon. And among all those people are these choice youths. We have royalty, we have nobility, and these choice youths. They were competent, they were wise, knowledgeable, pretty smart, maybe even good-looking. And we see that even among those, there were four whose names we get. Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah, who we normally know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. 
we see that Nebuchadnezzar didn't just bring back people. He brought back some items from the temple and devoted them to his gods. It, it's important to note as reading through that section that every time Nebuchadnezzar took something, it says he took it back to his God, back to his God, back to his God. Little g gods. Things that were once devoted to Yahweh at the temple. People who were once a nation under God of Yahweh are now being taken to another place and essentially being made to bow before other gods. He brought back these prisoners to remind Judah that they're in submission to Babylon. That, hey, y'all are working for me now. Y'all are under my rule, under my thumb. But I think it's interesting that they changed the names of these young boys. Uh, I, I don't know if there was a big conflict of interest between the Hebrew names and, and the Chaldean. Like, oh, if you're going to be living here, you might as well have one of our names. But if you look at the, the, the way the names are translated, you can see that these were almost insults that these guys were throwing on Daniel and his friends. Because Daniel's name means God has judged. But when they changed it to Belteshazzar, it took on the meaning, Lady, protect the king. So I don't know if that's an insult or blasphemy or what. And then Hananiah, whose name means Yahweh is gracious, was changed to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of a God, little g, God. Mishael's name means who is what God is, was changed to Meshach, I am despised and humbled before my God, little g, God. And lastly, Azariah's name, was, which means Yahweh has helped, was changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, and Nebo was a god of the Babylonians. They were also given a meal plan. They were also given training. And at the completion of these three years of training and eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine, they would stand before the king and let the king judge them. All right, are you able to continue in this service, maybe be promoted, or are you just not cutting it and we need to send you out there and work with all the rest of the people, with all the other slaves? But we see that the, the, the boys were not in favor of this. And by the way, can you, can you see this transition of, of about three years, a new meal plan, and a new city with new people? Uh, maybe even for you graduates transitioning to another phase of your life, you'll have an opportunity to make a new name for yourselves. Uh, hopefully for the good, hopefully for the Lord. Uh, but sometimes that's not how it goes, and I pray you don't go that way. Um, But even in the context of this passage, we see that everything about these boys' lives was changed seemingly in an instant. Where they lived, where their family was, their names, their jobs, what they ate or what they were supposed to eat. I think about Marty in Back to the Future. Anybody seen that movie? Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I'm about to ruin the whole series for you. But they end up making a time machine, right? And Doc's building this time machine. If, if it gets to 88 miles per hour, the flux capacitor will do its thing and all these other components, uh, scientific things that I, don't, I can't explain that probably don't really exist anyway, <laughs> um, are happening. And all of a sudden, this thing's going to shoot to another dimension, another time, another place in history or in the future. And so they're testing. They're doing an experiment in the mall parking lot. And... All of a sudden, the people that Doc stole this plutonium from to make his time machine, they track him down. And so they're running away. They're trying to get out of there. They're shooting at him and stuff. And Marty jumps in the DeLorean, and he goes away as fast as he can, right? And just about the time he starts reaching 88 miles per hour, 
lightning starts striking and all these chemical processes are going on and then shoom, not back to the future, but back to the past that time. He goes 30 years in the past from 1985 to 1955. And I think he actually crashes into someone's barn, but eventually he makes it back to where the city is and he's just kind of standing there like, whoa. He'd never seen anything like that before. He certainly never existed in that time. He never knew what the city looked like at that time. Everything was just brand new to him. The streets looked different. The signs on the the buildings looked different. The businesses were all different. Even the people were different. He ran into his mom and dad when they were in high school, which, of course, messed up the whole space-time continuum. But that's another discussion for another day. Um, So I'm I'm sitting there thinking about Marty. It's like he literally has no clue what he's doing, where he is, who these people are. Uh, It's a brand new place for him. And I can imagine when Daniel and these other youths showed up in Babylon, they were like, wow, we've never seen all these temples to all these gods before. We've never heard people speak this kind of language. We've uh, never seen this kind of work being done. or We've never seen this kind of food. I, I don't know exactly what they were thinking, but this was a brand new place for them. And so for all of us, for for our graduates, for any of us, even if you know where you're going, you're going to college or you're going to become a mechanic or or you're just still undecided, you don't know what you want to do in life, I guarantee you're going to meet a lot of new people. You're going to be in a lot of new places, a new atmosphere, maybe even a place where you don't have a curfew, no one's keeping tabs on you, and you're going to have to kind of start figuring things out for yourself. And I, I, I love looking at these four boys specifically And even though all these things were against them, you can see, as we're about to read in just a second, that they remained devoted to God. And specifically, Daniel, in this scenario, uh, had to make some pretty tough choices, had to say some pretty big words and stand up to some pretty big people in order to not falter, to not waver from his faith. So let's continue reading. Uh, That first point, I forgot to mention it, is Daniel finds himself in a foreign land. So secondly, we're going to see that Daniel remains devoted to God. Daniel 1, continuing in verse 8, if you'll read along with me. Uh, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. God gave him favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who were of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. I love the the word that occurs at the beginning of this section. Uh, Students, you're going to probably groan when I say this, but there's normally two words that I always point out and make a big deal of when I read them in Scripture. The first one is therefore. Do I ever talk about that one? And the other one is but. (laughs) I think they're two of the best theological words that you can learn. 
right? Other than like the real theological words. Um, but these are transitional words. Therefore takes the, the first piece and connects it to the second piece as kind of a conclusive statement. But the word but, as I just used, uh, takes the first part of, of, of the section and kind of negates it or, or, or um, it contrasts what is being said in the first part. So whereas we see that they're taken to a new land, they're given a new meal plan, this is how, what they're going to do for the next three years, and then you read the word but, you immediately think, oh, that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> Daniel's not going to be okay with this, and his three friends certainly aren't going to be okay with it. And that's, that's why that word's so important, because the next thing we read is, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the king's wine. See, Daniel and his friends had been offered the opportunity of a lifetime. Hey, hang out in this palace. We'll teach you all the good things. We'll feed you all the good food. We'll give you all the good wine. You can just sit back, relax, learn for three years. Everything's going to be great. Not if it's going to defile us, Daniel says. But why does Scripture tell us that this would defile them? Well, to name a few, the foods that they were talking about here did not conform to Mosaic law. Uh, They had been prepared by Gentiles, which made them unclean. The food was most likely sacrificed to an idol and given to foreign gods. The wine was very strong, most likely, in contrast to the way the Jews prepared their wine, which often was a little watered down, uh, just so that they wouldn't fall into drunkenness uh, quickly or without knowing. They would water down their wine enough that it was still wine, still good tasting, but that it wouldn't hopefully lead to drunkenness. Um, So they had a choice to make here. Daniel knew the requirements of the law. He knew what it meant to be obedient to God, and they had a choice to make in this moment. And we see that Daniel resolved. Resolved. Any of y'all around the first of the year ever make resolutions? Yeah, that's, you're resolving to lose weight or to get stronger or to eat healthier or to make more money or be wiser with your money. We make all these resolutions around the first of the year, I guess kind of, you know, new year, fresh start kind of thing. And those normally don't last very long, <laughs> right? But I, I love the, the language here. It's kind of a play on words. When we make resolutions, it's, it's like a, a, a present tense kind of thing. But when you see this word from Daniel, resolved, he had already made up his mind. He made up his mind a long time ago that, oh, I want to stand on God's word. I want to follow God's law. I want to follow God's commands. I want to be obedient to God. And so something comes his way that challenges his obedience. And all of a sudden he's like, nope. That's not God's law. That's not God's command. That's not what it looks like to be obedient to God. So he resolved, he settled, he, he became confident in God's, God's law. Resolute uh, is another way to say it. He decided and determined in that moment, I am not going to defile myself. And now, for our graduates and for all of us today, uh, a choice of food or drink may not be your biggest temptation in life, okay? But you will be faced with moments where the culture says, this is okay. This is who you should be. This is what you should do. And God's Word says, that's not what you should do. This is not what you should be. This is not what you should take part in. And you have to make a decision. Am I going to stand on God's Word? Am I going to rest in truth? Or am I going to blend in with the culture? Am I going to fall into the ways of the world? And, you know, you might avoid some suffering, some persecution, but it won't look like obedience. And Daniel had decided, even maybe before this moment, I'm going to follow God. I want to be obedient to God. So he offers a plan, 
a, a, a solution to this problem. Okay, feed us vegetables and water for 10 days. And if we look good at the end of that time, then great. No problem. We can keep eating that food. But if not, well, you heard what he said. You can do with us according to what you need to do, which would have either been dismissal from the program or you're eating our food, <laughs> right? Um, so the chief official reluctantly agrees because he knew that the lives of those boys were on him. If all of a sudden the king showed up and they were malnourished and they looked all scrawny and they were weak, the king would have been like, bro, you're not doing your job right. I mean, I told you what food to give them. I told you what drink to give them and look at them, (laughs) right? But we see that after 10 days that they were not only looking healthy and nourished, but better than all the other youths around there. And it's because Daniel decided and his friends had decided, look, I'm not going to compromise here. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to try to play both sides. I'm just going to follow God. I just want to be obedient to God. Have any of y'all ever heard the story of the guy who couldn't decide which side to fight for in the Civil War? Well, he put on the coat of the North and the trousers of the South, and guess what? He got shot out from both sides. This is what happens to the compromiser. The person who tries to live in two worlds. And it's one miserable place to be. A man by the name of Stanley Jones said it this way. If you don't make up your mind, your unmade mind will unmake you. Let me say that one more time. It's a little wordy. If you don't make up your mind, your unmade mind will unmake you. Daniel made up his mind and stuck with it. He said, I'm not moving here. From here, I'm not changing my position. I'm going to follow God. His desire was to please the Lord in everything that he did. And for us, that comes down to that question is, what is our desire? Daniel was courageous. He was determined. And he was obedient to God. And man, I'll tell you what, seniors, y'all are going to face a lot of tough days and weeks and months ahead. A lot of tough decisions are coming your way if they haven't come your way already. I mean, you're trying to figure out maybe where to go to school or if to go to school, what you're going to major in, uh, what you're going to minor in, what you're going to do after school. All these decisions are, are kind of like coming down on you pretty hard. Uh, but you can make up your mind now. Oh, I, I want to make those decisions wisely. I want to use discernment. I definitely want to consult God's word, which is truth. I want to have good people around me who can encourage me and, and pour into me and give me good advice for how, for how to make those tough decisions. Because I can, I can tell you what, with tough decisions that I've made in my life, that I'm still making in my life, if it was just up to me, it would not come out well. Uh, and even with consulting scripture and conce- consulting people who are, I consider mentors or at least people who pour wisdom into me, that helps all the more. It helps elucidate things. It helps bring things to the forefront. helps me see kind of the different paths and where they might go. Um, But the key is resolving in your mind and heart right now. I'm going to stand on God's word. I'm going to try to do things the wise way. I'm going to be patient with my decisions. I want to ask the Lord for discernment. So we see that Daniel remained devoted to God. Lastly, we're going to see that Daniel is given greater responsibility. And we'll finish reading the chapter, Daniel 1, verse 17 through 21. It says, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. 
And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were on all his kingdom. And David was there until the first year of King Cyrus. It's very important to see one word that stands out in that last section. God gave them the learning and the wisdom. Not the Babylonian teachers, not King Nebuchadnezzar, not the chief official, nobody that was on this earth. God gave them the learning, the skill, and the wisdom. So much so that when they were brought before the king, his first thought was, man, all those people we've been teaching for all this time, they're good and all, but these guys are great. Like They really know what we're talking about here, or they know what they're talking about here. And God had given them that influence. God had given them a greater responsibility. And that goes along with obedience. Obedience leads to blessing. Sometimes the blessing is in the obedience. And even more, sometimes the blessing is in the influence that you receive from that. I mean, if our goal is to be disciples who make disciples, to be people who share the gospel with the world that is so lost and broken and it needs to hear this message, then it would help if we had some influence. <laughs> it would help if we had people around us that, that we're positioning around us, that God's positioning around us, to be able to influence them. Maybe it's people here at church. Maybe it's people at your, at your work or your, your corporate life, uh, whatever it is you do for fun. Uh, there are people around you that God has positioned that only you can influence. I tell the students all the time, like, I can't always be at your high school or your junior high. I can't always be where you work. Those are people that you get to influence. Now, I try to influence them so that they can influence those people, and that's kind of how it works. But at the same time, like, you may have a friend who's a junior in high school, and I may never meet that person, but you know that person. You may, church, have a friend at work or just an acquaintance or someone you play golf with. I don't know. Whatever it is you guys do. And I'll never get to play golf with them. I'll never work with them. I may never even meet those people, but you know them. You have influence in their lives, and hopefully that you are a person that they'll listen to, that they maybe seek for advice or counsel or wisdom. Hopefully they allow you to pray for them from time to time. And I pray that if they're not already a Christian, that you have the opportunity, along with the students with their influence, to share the gospel with other people. Because that's really what it's all about. If, if we're not doing that, then we need to have a heart check. Well, sometimes I, I know we can start to feel inadequate. We can start to feel like, I just I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I don't have the right words to say. I'm not even a good speaker. I don't relate well to people. We come up with all kinds of reasons to feel inadequate. But I want to encourage you this morning that if you feel inadequate, I want you to think about a six-year-old boy who came home with a note from his teacher. And the note said, he should be taken out of school. He's too stupid to learn. That boy was Thomas Edison. Alfred Tennyson's grandfather gave him ten shillings for writing a eulogy for his grandmother. Handing it to the lad, the old man said, There, that's the first money you ever earned by your poetry. And take my word for it, it will be the last. Benjamin Franklin's mother-in-law hesitated at letting her daughter marry a printer. There were already two printing offices in the United States, and she feared that the country would not be able to support a third. 
Maybe you just don't feel strong enough today. The story goes about a boy and his father who were walking through the woods together and they came across a large log. It was blocking their path and the boy turned to his father and said, Dad, do you think I can lift this log? And the dad said, Sure, son. If you use all your strength, you can lift that log. So the boy rolled up his sleeves and he bent his knees and got down underneath that log and locked his arms out. And with everything he had, he just... He couldn't budge it. He couldn't move that log at all. He tried over and over and over again until at last he was just so exhausted and so breathless that he gave up. And he looked at his dad. He was disappointed. He was frustrated. And he said, Dad, you said I could move that log. And his dad just smiled and looked down at his son gently and said, I said you could lift it if you used all your strength. You didn't ask me for help. So the boy and his dad asked his dad to help him, and together they lifted the log out of the path. If you don't feel strong enough, it's because you aren't. It's because I'm not. We need the Lord. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, which resides in us but also flows through us. Without that, what are we doing? What is our purpose? Your strength and my strength is not held by us alone. Thankfully, we're held in the Father's hands. And all he's saying is, just ask. Just ask me for help. I know you're not strong enough, but I'm not going to just impose myself on you and fix everything in your path for you. I'm here for you, but I need you to ask me. And when we realize that we're not adequate that we're not strong enough, and we turn to God in those moments, God says, I am adequate, and I am strong enough. I got you. Daniel was determined to honor God, no matter what was around him, no matter what uh, non-God-honoring people he came around, no matter what officials or even kings came to him and told him what he was going to do. If it conflicted with God's word, God's command, and God's law, and required Daniel to be disobedient, he wasn't going to be a part of it. God honored Daniel's obedience by giving him greater responsibility, greater influence. We're going to be faced with many opportunities. Seniors, you guys are going to be faced with many opportunities in the road road ahead. And you're going to have a lot of opportunities to compromise. You just, you will. But the question is, will you? Will you choose God? Or you choose the world. The life of luxury and uh, which leads to pain or the life of God, though hard, which leads to blessings. The choice is and always has been yours. You get to make it for yourself. See, we need to start asking the right questions. Uh, when I was going into college, a lot of people asked me a lot of questions. And I'm sure many of you seniors have been asked these same questions, which you're going to see in just a second. Um, and not that these are bad questions, but I think really they, they're kind of limited on the scope of how much you really can accomplish, like how much you can really change the world, not just around you, but the world. We serve a big God, and he's got big plans for your life. So as we go through these questions, just kind of think about these in your own heart 
in mind. And church body, think about how we can encourage our seniors and all of our youth and children in these areas and start realizing that, man, they're a lot more capable than we think. I know it because I see these guys do great things week in and week out, and it astounds me. I'm like, I wasn't doing that at 13. I wasn't doing that at 16. I didn't know that at 17. Y'all are continually amazing me, and I really appreciate the way you live your lives. Um, So maybe instead of asking, what do you want to major in, start asking, what problem do you want to solve? Uh, Maybe instead of asking, what do you want out of life, ask, what is life asking of you? Instead of asking, how much money can you make, ask, what do you have to give? Instead of asking, how can you achieve something great, ask, how can you add value in a given context? Instead of asking, what do you possess inside, start asking, what are the needs or opportunities around you? And lastly, a question that we often ask, instead of asking, what will make you happy, Instead, ask, what are you being summoned to do or charged or commissioned or asked to do? Not just in college, not just post-high school, in life, specifically by God. Our world is too broken and in need of repair for us to just simply ask, hey, what do you want to major in? What jobs pay well and can get you a nice house and a nice car? Or what will make you happy? Those aren't terrible questions. I'm not saying you should completely throw those out, but the world is broken and it needs us to help fix it. And we can't do it on our own. We need Jesus living in us and through us to help so we can be the hands and feet of Christ. But I fully believe that we are each positioned in a certain um, part of our life where we can have that kind of influence over the the, pe- the, the marriage that's broken, the, the person that just lost his job or her job and needs money or um, their spiritual... Uh, depravity, knowing that they're sinners and they need God and His forgiveness and, and the price that Jesus paid for them. Uh, maybe people are just going through a hard time and they need you to help them in their lives. We are positioned in a certain place for a reason. And there are people in this world that only you can influence. I fully believe that. Uh, as we go this morning, I just want you to remember one simple statement. It should be up on the screen. No matter where you are, Remain devoted to God and use your influence in the world to win others to Him. That's what it's about. And lastly, do not compromise. Don't start having these conversations in your head about, well, if I just go this far, or if I just do this little bit, what does God's Word say? What does wisdom say? What does discernment look like? Follow those leads. And I promise you, you will have clarity and making choices and decisions. It won't, I won't say they'll be easy. I'm just saying you'll have clarity and you'll be able to say, well, this is what I think God wants me to do based on scripture, based on wisdom, advice, encouragement, and go for it because God will hold you fast. He will hold you steady and he will protect you. He'll be there for you. And church body, we have a job to continue to encourage and support these seniors. They may be going away to college or they may be moving on from high school into different parts of life, but they're still part of Main Street Baptist Church and we still have a a duty and a responsibility to bring them up, continue to bring them up in the word and in truth and to help support and encourage them. Same for all these youth, same for all of our children and to mutually encourage one another. That's what church is about. Uh, We can make it about other things and sometimes we do uh, because we're human, but 
at the end of the day, don't forget, no matter where you are, remain devoted to God. Use your influence to win others to Him. Let's pray, and then we'll sing one more song and be done for the day. Now, Father God, thank you so much for your word. And we, we don't um, think we know everything. We know we don't. And sometimes we read your word and it just picks us apart. And it hurts to read it sometimes because we know what you're asking us to do. But Father, may we be in a position to have influence on others around us. And may you guide these seniors specifically as we honor and recognize them today. May you guide them into truth, into the way that you would have them to go. And that when they come upon tough decisions and compromising um, situations, that you would remind them where they stand and and who is within them, and that they would be able to make the appropriate choice. Uh, Father, as we respond in worship, may we just continue to uphold your holy name and lift it high above all other names. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we continue in worship.